So who are we talking about tonight? Yes, we are talking about Iron Man. Okay. All right. I'm not going to wear that all night because it smells horrible. Um, but we are talking about Iron Man. Um, I'm not going to go. I'm assuming you guys know a little bit more about Iron Man, some of the more obscure heroes we've talked about. But Iron Man, bottom line, rich guy in a suit. Pretty much. He's super smart. He's Batman with a bad attitude and better machinery. Um, he, he doesn't have a traumatic past that made him want to fight crime. He just, you know, built some suits and was like, hey, I'll be a superhero. Um, but we will talk about in some positive aspects about Iron Man. But the cool thing about Iron Man is he never gave up or stayed still in where he was. And that's what we'll talk about. But scripturally, what we're going to focus on... Um, Easiest comparison you can make. What are all those? They're suits, but what uh, What did he call it? Ooh, what's the word? Armor. He called it armor. So being the easy way to go, where's the best connection with that? The armor of God. See how simple that is? Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to start out with the armor of God. Ephesians 6, turn there. Um. While you're turning, backstory, basically Tony Stark was a billionaire. He made weapons and all this stuff. He got captured, got injured, and in order to save his own life, built a robot suit that could sustain the damage done to his heart. And once he did that, he then upgraded and built more and more suits of armor, became a superhero, yada, yada, yada. Ephesians 6, that's where we're going to be. But Iron Man is just a person. In a suit, and that's just how it's went. But Ephesians chapter 6, and we will start in verse 13. It says, this is why you must take up the full armor of God, so that you may be able to resist the evil day, and having prepared everything, take your stand. Now, um, I need a guinea pig or volunteer. Need a dude, because I'm not going to be... All right, he's closest. Uh, come on. Oh, he had his hand up. Before. Come on. Yep. All right, he is going to be my uh, suit of armor guinea pig for the day. So come on back up here a little bit. Now, obviously, this isn't a true armor of God, but work with me here, okay? Um, let's go bit by bit. Uh, This is why you must take up the full armor of God, and it says, first, stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist, okay? So, when we say he's standing with the belt of truth around his waist, he's got a belt on, okay? It's it's a a utility belt, close enough. Um, He's got the truth about, now what is the truth? God's word, God's truth, it is the truth, the fact that we know who our Savior is, who our Creator is, who our God is. When you know the truth, it gives you power. And so what's one of the things that you have, I don't know if in your school that they have rules or not, but what's one rule about guys' pants in your school? Can't sag. Um, You can't let your pants be hanging halfway down your bottom. Yes, ma'am. 
Can't have holes, that's another one too. But um, one of my favorite Bible verses in 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16, we're told to gird up the loins of our faith. Gird up our loins. Literally, Paul's like, or sorry, Peter's saying, tighten the pants of your faith. You know, really cinch that stuff up so that they don't fall down. If you have the truth of the God, if you have the truth of God wrapped around you, holding everything else together, you're not likely to fall. But if what you're wrapping around you is not truth, pretty much everything else you base it on is going to fall apart. So truth is essential. You have to have the truth, otherwise, it's not going to work. All right. The next thing we see there is. Find the scripture. Uh, put the, the belt around the truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, or the breastplate of righteousness. So the breastplate of righteousness. I know it's like your flavor flavor over here. Um, hold on, hold up, hold that right there. Down just a little bit. It's pretty heavy, huh? Yeah. Bre- righteousness isn't light. <laughs> but uh, when you have righteousness guarding your heart, guarding your, literally, what guards your life, when you have righteousness is what guards your most invaluable organs, your insides, one of my favorite Bible verses, and this is the prize verse for tonight. Find it. Hit me back. Guard your heart above all else, for out of it flows, the, flows life. Guard your heart above all else, for it is the wellspring of life, okay? Find that verse, I'll give you a prize. But when you have righteousness guarding your heart, guarding your things, that's why police and soldiers wear bulletproof vests, because as long as you can protect your head, you can protect this, pretty much everything else can be kind of mended up. As long as you can protect what's in here and what's up here, you know, those are the main areas you need to protect. So, Righteousness as a breastplate, protecting you from injury and damage. So, I'm sorry, sorry. Good, because you're going to need more armor if that's too bad. Um, So, it said, take up the righteousness-like armor on your chest and shod your feet with the sandals of uh, readiness for the gospel of peace. So, basically, you need to put on your feet the gospel of peace. That where you go, you take peace with you. That where you walk, you walk in peace. So, here. I'm serious. You can leave your sandals on. So, to shod your feet with the gospel of peace, that means wherever you go, you walk in peace. That means whatever you do or what you say, that you walk in peace. Just take your sandal off. It's okay. All right. So let me ask you this. How much of a difference do you think it will make if when you go somewhere, when you are walking with another Christian, when you are going somewhere to shine your light, when you are going somewhere in the power of God to follow Jesus, how big a difference do you think it will make if you actually go in peace? Because so often we go with wrong motives. We go with frustration because somebody else is living the wrong way. We go with anger because they're not living as good as you are, or things like that. If we walk in the gospel of peace, then we're stepping correctly. Um, One of the things that's a theme all throughout Ephesians is how you walk. 
That's one of my favorite. That's why Ephesians is one of my favorite books. We're told to walk in wisdom. We're told to walk worthy of the calling of Christ. We're told to walk in those manners. And if we don't walk the right way, we're not walking as Christ walks. So having our feet ready with the gospel of peace is important. Going on from there, it says, In every situation, take up the shield of faith, and with it you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So, when you've got the shield of faith, because let me tell you guys, there's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to come at you that you're not going to be able to explain on your own. You're not going to be able to understand on your own. And you are going to need faith that is strong to be able to protect you from the things that come at you. So you will need a shield of faith. Because you know what? When somebody you love gets sick and you can't explain it, you're going to need faith to be able to protect you. When you have big plans and they fall apart, you're going to need faith to be able to protect you. When you do everything you can to walk with Jesus and you still fail, you're going to need your faith to protect you. When you try and be what someone else needs to have in their life by leading them in Christ and they don't see it, you're going to need faith. Faith will protect you. No, dude, shield over here, man. Don't be lazy. You're going to get shot up by arrows. No, man, right here. Hold that. Do you want, like, okay, let's put that right there. Bam. Flex your bicep. Hold that for me. Um, if you don't hold that shield of faith, you won't be guarded. Because when you have, once you let go of faith, you know what you have a big open wound to? Doubt. Now, it's all right to ask questions, and we're told to know why we believe what we believe. But if we don't honestly have faith, we can't protect ourselves from anything else. We need our faith to be strong enough to be able to do that. All right, and then, you, you can just hold it down, it's fine. Then it says to take up, oh, this thing stings. no it doesn't, I was kidding. It says to take up the helmet of salvation. Now, Iron Man is not salvation, just for the record. Um, but it says to take up the helmet of salvation because, listen, when I said that righteousness guards this area and that salvation is the helmet, your mind needs to be focused. Your mind needs to be guarded. Your mind needs to be covered in the fact that you know your salvation is found in Christ. Your security is found in Christ and in nowhere else are you safe. And nowhere else can you have the abundant life that Christ wants you to have. And when you have that helmet of salvation that covers you, that secures your face, that secures your mind, secures your thoughts, everything else seems like less of a battle when you are secure in your salvation. But you know what? If your mind is not guarded and sure of your salvation, it's like you take your helmet off, now your head's vulnerable. When you aren't sure of your salvation, that makes you doubt and not have faith, and so you drop your faith. And then once your faith goes down, then your righteousness, then everything else. And it's like literally, if your mind is not secured by the gospel, if your mind is not secure in your salvation, everything else kind of falls apart. So, here you put that back. Grab that back for me. Now, the last thing it says is take up the sword of the Spirit, which is God's Word. That's a tiny sword. I'm sorry, I was lacking swords. Um, but we are told to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is God's Word. Now, let me tell you something. 
We have a habit of using the sword wrong. The sword is meant to protect. The sword is meant to cut out sin in our lives. It's meant to defend ourselves from sin, from those things. The sword is meant to be something that can cut through the lies of this world. But so often, we only use the sword when we want to just try and hurt somebody else. We can, have this, we can have this tendency, we don't ever want to share about how God can save someone else. We don't ever want to share about how God changes our lives and use the sword to fight for the right way. We just like, you're sinning. And we take the sword and we poke at somebody instead of doing this. Listen, a sword is a warrior's weapon to be able to fight the right way. We talked about all week how this word, this gospel, this truth is the only light that we have. It is the truth, and we need to wield our swords well. Our swords don't need to be dusty from sitting around and never getting used. Our swords don't need to be used the wrong way. We need to use our swords as Christ showed us. Man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Guys, how many of you spend so much time maybe putting on other parts of the armor, but then you never even bring your sword? Because you know what? I guarantee some of you, you're like, oh yeah, I got peace. I got truth. I got righteousness all up in here. Look at this righteousness. I got salvation. But you never even bother to pull your sword out. You never even bother to share the word of God with somebody else because you are hiding your light, like we talked about last night. You're hiding your light. You know what? <laughs> I got in trouble in high school because um, my teacher... Here, hold that for me. My teacher assigned us this project for Canterbury Tales. Ever heard of that? It's, you'll, you'll, if you get into like 11th, 12th grade, you'll probably read it. But um, Canterbury Tales... It's just a series of short stories, and I was assigned a dude, and I don't remember what his name was, but he had a sword. He had, he had a sword in the story. So I talked my mom into taking me to some really junky store that I had seen in the mall that had swords in it. So my mom bought me a sword. I was 17, and I had a sword. And this wasn't just a little sword. This was like a four-foot broadsword. And this sword was amazing. And I could not wait till the next day when I got into uh, English honors and I was going to get in there. And so, sure enough, first thing I did when I got to school that day, I was like, look at this! And I walked into school with my sword. I'm like, check this out! Guess who got in trouble? Um, I got in trouble because I brought a dangerous weapon to school. Didn't think that that would be a problem because it was in my story. It was in my story of what I had to do for English class. And I'm like, I'm going to get extra credit. I got in school suspension and they took my sword. Um, but I was proud of my sword. I was ready to wield it. I was ready to use it. I wanted everyone to see it. Listen. The Word of God is the sword in your life. And if you never pull it out, if you aren't proud of it, if you're not prepared to share it, to use it at any point in time, 
then you're wasting it. Um, I keep a ninja star in my car. And um, it's in my visor. And I'm just waiting for the day when I have a reason to use my ninja star. I am ready. And the first opportunity I get to throw that, I'm going to use it. Guys, you have been given not just a weapon. You have been given a tool for life. Be ready with it. Be ready with this sword. Because if you're not ready, you're never going to be able to defend yourself against the attacks of the world, attacks of the devil, attacks of your own foolish, sinful heart. Wield your swords well. Use the armor you have to protect yourself. Now, normally this would be where we would stop, but we're not done. Because my favorite part about Iron Man is the fact he didn't stop. Iron Man made this one cool suit of armor. And you know what? My thingy's moving. Um, Iron Man made this one cool suit of armor, and he could have stopped there. Right? Did anybody else have one? No, not when he, not really when he built it. He was the only person with a suit of armor. He said, you know what, I could have stopped right there. I had the coolest Iron Man suit. Nobody else has one. But he kept building different suits. Um, this is just one chart, and I know it's grainy and you can't see it. But if you actually do a count and search it up, he built over 48 different suits to date in the comics. He built a suit for each problem that came up. Um, he, one of those suits, uh, I think the seventh one over, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven one over is an underwater one, specifically to work at sub-levels under sea pressure. Um, the black one is for stealth. Uh, they all have different purposes. And then even this one, this one's my favorite, the big chunky one down there, that's a Hulk buster. That suit of armor he specifically designed to do what? Beat the Hulk. Sort of. <laughs> For a little bit it worked. But he, every time he faced the problem, he said, instead of being defeated by this problem, upgrade. And he added to his armor to make it stronger. He added weapons. He added better defenses. He added more and more to it. Now, here's the thing. This is called the full armor of God, right? Guess what? Peter says, we're never done adding to our armor. Peter says we are never done. Turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. You can sit down. Thank you. Hey, give him a big round of applause. This guy. Wait, hold up. Let me take a picture. Put it on. It's okay. Uh, turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, thank you, you can take that off and sit on the stage. 2 Peter chapter 1, and this is literally, if Second Corinthians, if Colossians 3.23 is my favorite passage of scripture, this is my second favorite passage. Um, Colossians 3.23, I told you, but 2 Peter chapter 1, I'll turn around, you turn around, I'll get it for you. 2 Peter chapter, here, just slide it down. Okay, Second Peter chapter 1, thank you so much, sir.
2 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to go ahead and read the preface verses because the verse I want to start with is one of those therefores. And if, if you ever read a verse that says therefore, guess what? That means something happened before it. And if you're going to understand what's going on, you need to know what happened before that. So, 2 Peter 1. Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have obtained faith of equal privilege with ours through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and goodness. By these He has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. So let's look at what Peter said. You have salvation. You have grace. You have an opportunity to work with God. You have been given a divine nature that you don't have to deal and you don't have to succumb to every evil desire into the world. Peter said, look, God has given you everything you need. Now let's get to the armor run up. In verse 5, for this very reason, for everything I just said, Peter says, for this reason, make every effort to add to your faith. Think about that. Peter said, don't stop with what you've got. A lot of us, you know what happens? We'll give our lives to Christ, and we'll stay right where we are when it happens. Some of us are in the same spiritual position as the day we first met Jesus. We have that basic armor of God, that full armor of God that we're given with, but Peter tells us, don't stop with what you've got. He said, make every effort to add to your faith. And he says, um, to add to your faith with goodness. So he says, add to your faith goodness. Now, whose goodness do you think he's talking about? Not yours. Not your goodness. Because what did we say our goodness was? What would you say our righteousness was? Filthy rags. Something disgusting to be thrown away. We're told that our goodness is nothing. So... We're told we need to add to our faith goodness, God's goodness. Because Jesus even said, no one is good but God. So when we're told to add goodness to our faith, we're to add God's goodness to us. How many of you make choices that you may think are good choices, but would they honestly live up to God's definition of good? Because sometimes I make the choices that are good for Hector, but compared to what God is saying was good, you know, I bought a skateboard today. That was a good choice. Or a God, if, if, by, my good, if by God's definition of goodness, he could have been like, um, Paul and Angie are going on a very long mission trip for three years. Uh, maybe you could have gave that money to them. My goodness? God's goodness. When you add to your faith goodness, it changes how you think. It changes your perspective. It changes how you feel. It changes how you live. So we need to make sure we are adding to our faith God's goodness. But then it goes on into goodness, knowledge. It says once you've added goodness, the next thing you need to add is knowledge. 
Because you know what? The best way for us to know what God says is good is to have knowledge of, of God. And where do you get knowledge of God? The Bible. If you continue to add knowledge to your walk with God, you're going to be able to walk more like God. I have a friend who's uh, one of my students. He was on Facebook last night, and he was talking about He's like, wow, look how God offers mercy to the sinners. And he posted this psalm. And then I said, oh, yeah, my favorite is Psalm 133 and 4. And he responded back, wow, I've never read that. I'm like, I thought you read the Bible a couple times already. How have you not read that then? Always keep adding to your knowledge. You know what? I've read the Bible beginning to end three times in my life. Every time I read the Bible, I learn something new. Even when I've been here at my time at camp, I've learned new things. I've gone to Bible college. I've been a missionary. I've been a pastor. And every time I read God's Word, I learn something new. If you continue to add knowledge to your faith, your faith will be upgraded. Your faith will be stronger than it is right now. But if you don't add knowledge, you're not going to have everything you need. Going on, it says, um, and to knowledge, add self-control. Because when you know what God says is good, when you have God's knowledge of how we should live, that gives us a basis for us to have self-control. How many times have you said, I couldn't help myself? Or, I didn't mean to say that. We do a lot of things in our life that, we, that boil down to we didn't control ourselves. When we get angry and fight someone. When we say something we shouldn't. When we're lazy and don't keep our commitments. That's because we don't establish self-discipline and self-control. When you don't have control, you know what you have? A dangerous life. Um, <laughs> uh, Basha and I ran into town earlier today in our, my van from our church. And when we were going down the hill, um, <laughs> don't do this at home. Um, when we were going down the hill, it looked like a really straight hill. So I just went and put my hands up on the steering wheel. And we are like, ah, for just a second. And it was like, we're out of control. It was like literally one second. And it was scary and stupid. Never do that. And, but for that moment, that van could have went anywhere. And it could have cost us our life. And I would have made a very bad decision. You know why I need to do that? Because I still need to add knowledge to my faith. Because I made a stupid choice. Because that choice did not measure up to God's goodness or knowledge. And so I did not exercise self-control. But when you exercise self-control, when you realize that there is nothing in this world that can overpower you in your walk with God, you can control yourself. We often say when it comes to temptation, I couldn't help myself. We're told in Scripture that there is no temptation except what is common to man and that temptation cannot overpower us. Every time we're tempted, there's a way out. When you, add, when you truly have self-control... It makes your life and your armor and your walk with God that much stronger. Going on with that, it says, add to self-control, perseverance. That means when you have goodness, that means when you have knowledge, when you have self-control, you keep going with it. 
A lot of us, when we get on a big spiritual high from camp, we're like, yeah, Jesus. And then you get home and a week later you're like, yeah. And you don't follow through. You don't keep reading your Bible. You don't walk in community like we talked about earlier today. And we let everything fall apart. Perseverance means we keep going. I run uh, 5Ks twice a year. I am slow. I'm a big man. And I am slow as all get out. And I like to do these hardcore races where you crawl under uh, barbed wire and jump over fire and scale 12-foot 12, 12 walls and go through ice water and all this stuff. I do this twice a year. And you know what? I'm slow. But you know what I don't do? Stop. When I start running, no matter how slow I'm running, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> um, one of my students ran with me this year, and she is this like tall, athletic girl. She runs. She does track. She does all the stuff. She took off like a lightning bolt at the beginning of this race. And I'm like, and I'm going my slow little path. I, I beat her. Because halfway down that track, you know, there was this thing where you had to jump off a tower. It's like 15 feet into a thing of muddy ice water. And she just stood there, and she was looking at that tower. And I don't know how long she had been there, but when I got to the top of that tower, she was still there. And I was like, and literally, I saw her up there. I just grabbed her by the arm. Come on! (laughs) And I grabbed her, and I flung her both, her and I both, into that water. In your walk with Christ, it's going to be so easy to lose your perseverance. It's going to be so easy to give up to get distracted, to slow down. But when you have perseverance, that means you don't give up. You keep going. And when you keep going, it shows how real God is in your life. Because when a Christian endures a problem, when a Christian endures a struggle, when a Christian endures pain, and the world around you sees that you don't give up, they see the light of Jesus Christ in you. When they see you struggling and you don't give up, when they, see, when they know you've got problems in your family, when they know that you're struggling with things, when they know when you're hurting and they see that you don't give up and you don't walk away from God and you don't give up on your faith, they know that Jesus is real because you didn't give up. So we add to our faith perseverance. Once, and after that, we add to our faith godliness, holiness. Because there's a difference between God, goodness. Goodness is knowing what God says is good. Godliness is living like it matters to us. It's living holy like Christ said we could. And let me tell you, if you don't have goodness, if you don't have knowledge, if you don't have self-control, if you don't have perseverance, it's going to be real hard to be holy. It's going to be real hard to live the way God says we should. But we add to our faith. We're almost done with this whole upgrade thing, but let me ask you, when's the last time you even made an effort to add to your faith? Because look what this says. This says at the beginning of this passage, make every effort. If you have to go kicking and screaming and clawing up a mountain, add to your faith. Most of us only add to our faith when somebody tries to make us do it. Most of us 
don't make every effort for anything. Most of us are lazy. If we can't do it from our smartphones or our computers, we're not really going to make an effort. We're told to make every effort to add to your faith. One of the things I hated about the long drive, and I love driving, but our church van that I drove up has an old, old, old tape player that barely works. And I love to listen to music when I'm driving. And all the rest of our church vehicles have like a CD player or an auxiliary port where you can plug an iPod in or something. And, you know, I got in the church van to come drive up here. I'm like, oh, no. So first thing I did was stop at Walmart, buy an adapter to put in there. And I added to it. And I, I said, I'm not leaving this county until I make every effort to be able to listen to music as I'm driving. Guys, make every effort. And we said godliness, but then after godliness, it says brotherly affection. Being kind to one another. Because you know what good a Christian is that can't be kind to somebody? None. Jesus says, they will know you are my disciples if you love one another. If we can't be, and that's, you know, in regards to other Christians. And you know what? Other Christians are mean to each other. Christians are meaner to each other than anybody else. We have to show the love of Christ in the way we treat other people. But you know what helps being able to show the love of Christ? Goodness, knowledge, and everything that comes before it. If we make sure we add to our faith these things, our faith is stronger. And then lastly is this, love. What's the greatest commandment out of the whole Bible? Love God. What's the second greatest commandment? Love your neighbor. And look at this. We're told that this is something we need to add to our faith. The love you have when you start out your relationship with Jesus isn't enough. You need to work on it. You need to help develop it. And you know who the best, the best way to add anything to your faith is to go to Jesus so he can do it for you? Because if you try and do all this on your own, guess what? You're going to fail. But if you go to Jesus Christ, He can increase your faith. He can strengthen your faith and add these things to it. Look what ha- look at the as we end this part. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, check that out. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, meaning they never stay where they are, they're always improving. They're always upgrading. That's what I was, why I thought about Iron Man with this. He's never done building the next set of armor. He's never done adding to what he's got. If you ever get to a point where you've stopped making an effort to add to your faith, your faith isn't going very far. We have to make every effort to add to our faith. But it says, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We have a guarantee in Scripture that if we are adding to our faith, it will keep us from being useless and unfruitful. Let's flip the statement. If you do not possess these qualities in increasing measure, you have a potential to be useless and unfruitful in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. Which would you rather have? The potential for failure or a guarantee that you will be strong in your walk with Christ? You have to make every effort. That doesn't mean you have to get perfect at it. But notice what it said. Increasing measure. Again, I'm a big man and I run races. 
And you know what? The more I train, the faster I get. But if I say, I'm going to run a race today, and I go running, am I going to get fast today? No. But just by practicing today, I'm going to get a little faster the next time, and a little faster the next time. It's increasing measure. You don't have to get perfect at godliness. You don't have to get perfect in your self-control. But you need to make sure you are increasing in measure. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Peter ends that by saying, if you're not working to add to your faith, you're forgetting what you've even been saved from. I want to challenge you guys, please. Think about your walk with Jesus Christ right now. Think about this. If you have not made any effort to add to your faith, let this be a wake-up call. That if you want your faith to be stronger, if you want your faith to grow, you need to make an effort on in it. Goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly affection, love. If you have these things, even in the slightest increasing measure, it's going to help you go. But if you're not increasing them in increase, if you don't have them in increasing measure, it's like you forgot you were even saved. For those of you who don't know Christ, we've talked about Jesus all week. Please understand, you don't have to do this stuff overnight. If you're hearing this thinking, man, I want to get to know Jesus, it's work. I got to do all this stuff. All you need to do is go to Him, and He will help you get through all of this. Increasing measure can be a small amount, but you need to make an effort to make sure it's going there. Guys, I, you know, the last time I was really here was 11 years ago. The kids that I saw as campers then are grown-ups now. I don't know when I'm going to get to see you again, but I would love to be able to, say, to, be able to see that when I see you again, that your faith has grown. Your walk with Christ has gotten deeper because you did this. Not just because I said it, but because you saw in the truth of God that you can't stand still where you are and you want to get closer to Christ by making your faith stronger. And realize this isn't something you do on your own. This happens when you go to Christ and you ask Him to work in you. And then you're willing to say, Jesus, I already gave you my life to save me, but Jesus, I want to give you my life to make it more like what you want it to be. Let's pray together. God, we just thank you so much for your love. We thank you for being a God who loves us right where we are. God, you love us as we're broken sinners. You, as your word says in Romans 5, 8, that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. You love us right where we are, but once we're your children, you want us to grow. You want us to get closer to you. You want us to walk more intimately with you and to be your children hand in hand as we walk with you, God. Help us to be that. Help us to not give up, to not slow down, to not quit, that we truly would be able to walk with you. In Christ's name, amen.